to another great edition of Strong Style, our MMA and pro wrestling show here from Impact Media. Of course, that makes me Jeremy the Impact York. Impact York? I don't know what I'm trying to say there. I'm watching like six things at once. Producer Sassy is in tonight. She is eyeballing me pretty funny. But either way, welcome in. We have a lot to get into. A lot has happened since last week, but that tends to be the case. Now, as I said, here at Impact Media, this is our MMA and pro wrestling show where I try to review all the things that I think you uh, were important enough to let you know about where I think things could go from uh, the world of pro wrestling. All uh, 11 or 12 hours of it each week that are on regular television, uh, pay-per-views when they happen. And, uh, of course, the MMA world of UFC and Bellator. I'm going to flip it up a little bit. I'm going to start with pro wrestling tonight. I hope I don't forget all the MMA stuff I was going to say. I have I have all my notes and everything like that. But uh, I do want to start with pro wrestling. So, let's start pro wrestling. And I'm going to start with Monday Night Raw from last week. Now, Monday Night Raw for this week is actually on right now. I'm not watching it. because. I like to get a fresh take on it. I'm going to watch it from the beginning and give you my perspective on it. But as of last week, here are the things I think you need to be thinking about and know from Monday Night Raw. You got Nia Jax and Shayna. They are they are uh, still the Raw Women's Tag Team Champions. Who could possibly beat them? Well, I mean, you broke up the Iconics, who might have been just technical enough to do it. Um, the Riot Squad's not going to beat them. You broke up Bailey and Sasha; they weren't going to beat them either. Um, it's, it, you you put together these teams like Natalia and Lana, where they're not going to do it either. Uh, the only way you're going to get the belts off of these two girls. Or if you either find a new team or invest and push a new team. And I don't even think NXT really has one. No, the only one close would have been um, Dakota Kai and... Gosh, I just forgot her name. Raquel Gonzalez. But they're not formidable enough as a, as a team. They're, they're good as a duo. But uh, so what next with them? Well, what I could see happening, because you're going to need this on on Raw pretty soon, which is the show they are on. Spoiler alert, even though I'm going to get into it later, what's happened so far on the um, 
uh, during the, the SmackDown draft where uh, Stephanie announced a bunch of different ones. Um, yeah, that Nia and Shayna are staying on Monday Night Raw, which is where they should. Um, you have Ashka, who is the women's champion. I don't have a problem there. I'm a big Ashka fan. She's a tremendous wrestler. She's a great personality. It actually works and works well. But at some point, Asuka's going to need a master heel to come up and challenge her. Well, here's two. Um, I prefer Shayna over Nia, but Nia could work as well because she's so big and powerful that she could overpower Asuka with all the technical things that, uh, that she does. And Shayna uh, could go hold for hold, submission for submission, be a great submission match, actually, would be uh, something you you would have to look at. Definitely. But when they're a team, they can't really challenge. So I don't know really who's going to really challenge Oshka at the moment. But the thing I would look at is at some point, you have to move the tag titles off of these two. Of course, you can have them implode. Uh, so this is a, it's going to be a couple months before my theory could happen. But... You have someone take the titles off of them. You have them blame each other. I'm sure it would start with Nia, who would say, well, we only lost because of you, to which Shayna would go, no, we lost because of you. No, you're dumb. You're dumb. You're ugly. You're ugly. Blah, 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 blah. They have the the, uh, the blow-off match, or potentially a couple matches with a big feud involved. Um, I, I don't want to say Hell in a Cell or a cage match, but you gotta got to be a, a highly physical A highly physical match of some kind, but whoever comes out of that, and honestly, it could be Nia and then Shayna to go after Ashka. This uh, you even put them in a triple threat at some point because you could have you could have Ashka beat Nia by roll up or something. She beats uh, Shayna some kind of similar thing. To which they both say, hey, you, you only just uh, barely caught us. Uh, we want another fair shot. And then you get the, the, like I said, the blow-off match or the ending of the feud, or at least the ending of this particular angle, as you have a triple threat match. And um, yes, I did just talk about this for about four minutes, but I think it's a big story that they can have going forward. You have a couple of the bigger pay-per-views coming up. You have Survivor Series. That is the last big one of the year. I think that's usually November. And um, then by the first of the year, you have Royal Rumble. These would be great. You know, here's here we go. You have one of these matches. One of these matches, uh, let's say Nia and Ashka can be at Survivor Series. What's kind of a uh, inconclusive ending, even though Ashka ends up with it. Maybe a double DQ or a random DQ. Maybe Shayna causes the DQ so that Nia loses her spot. Well, then when Shayna takes on Ashka at Royal Rumble, Nia can win the Women's Battle Royal so that she's going to be at WrestleMania. And then Shayna can have another inconclusive. Or you do the Women's Elimination Chamber in February. Shayna wins that. She immediately says, I want to challenge Oscar. Nia says, no, 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 I want to challenge it. You get your triple threat at WrestleMania. I just booked it. 
if WWE does this, then I will absolutely have my proof that they have been listening to me for years. It's not even about credit, WWE. Just uh, a simple nod in my direction would be cool. I don't, I don't have to be on your writing staff or something if you want to use my ideas. Just uh, a simple nod or, um, I don't know, some swag. That'd be cool. But anyway, uh, as far as what's next with them, that's why I say it. It's Nia and Shayna. They're going to run through the tag division. They should do it rather quickly. And then I would split them, have them go against each other, and then into the theories that I just said right there. All right. Uh, the whole Rollins, Murphy, Dom, and Ray thing. It, it needs to come to a conclusion soon. Or you need to pull Rollins out of it. Now, at the given moment, without me seeing Raw tonight, once again, a little bit of a spoiler for the rest of, for later on the show. Rollins, Dominic, and Ray all got drafted to SmackDown. Murphy has yet to be drafted at this point. Of course, by the time you hear this, we'll know if if and when he he did. Um, but Rollins needs to move on. Um, Rollins versus Roman is something they should be pushing for for Survivor Series or Royal Rumble. Because that's he's he's one of the master heels that could go after Roman and Seth is at a point where he doesn't have to win to make it good. To make he's he's in that he's in that area where the title is great, but he doesn't have to have it to be relevant. It's hard to achieve, so good for him. Um but I do like if you want to keep Dominic and Murphy kinda in a semi-weird spot with Ray kind of intervening here and there. If you want to use, I can't think of her name now, but uh, Dominic's sister who kind of may have an affinity for Murphy. You could have that whole, that whole kind of connection. It ain't a low connection, but kind of connection here, there. Is there a connection? Is there not a connection? Is it just general concern for each other? Is you know, those kinds of things. We don't have to get in depth because I'm pretty sure she's only about 18 or 19. I don't want them to get much further into it than that. We don't need any kind of connection unless, of course, off screen, they're already together. Which would be about par for the course. Uh, we had Braun versus Keith Lee. I like that they're putting these two big guys together because what better way to make Braun look more credible than to take on another big, powerful guy who can actually do a lot of stuff agility-wise. And then what better way to push Keith Lee automatically towards the, the uh, not necessarily the main event, but the top of the card than to put him against Braun, who has been up there, won a title. He has taken on all comers. Now you're going to have two big guys that you can do a lot with. It's kind of like when they had uh, Kane and Big Show, or Big Show and Taker, or Taker and Kane. You know, you need a couple big guys to kind of make the rest of them look credible, but to also sometimes you need that monster. Brock was one of those monsters. They're trying to make Roman into that monster. That's that's where I think they're they're uh, well, that monster not necessarily being a derogatory term. I don't think of it as a negative thing. You need those big bruisers. And that's kind of where I'm going with that. Um, the fact that they went against each other, I, I don't have a problem with that because it helps both. It helps both of them because it's not for a title. It's not for a title shot. It's not for anything in particular. It actually shows that you have somewhere to put Keith Lee and somewhere to put Braun. 
and uh, they can they can just kind of go at each other. Maybe they can team up. They're, they would kind of be like the Nia Shayna of the tag division. That would be interesting. And lastly, not lastly, lastly, they revealed that Mustafa Ali, shout out, as uh, I believe that one of my cousin-in-laws went to high school with this guy. And uh, saw him on TV one day. He's like, hey, I know that guy. So, yeah, shout out to Mustafa Ali, who uh, apparently went to school up in Chicago. And uh, shout out to all my in-laws in Chicago. But apparently he is going to be the leader of retribution going forward. The recently returning, I think he was injured, recently returning Mustafa Ali, he would technically be the sixth contracted member of retribution. And um, I like it. A lot of people thought maybe Rollins should do that. And he's been part of rebel groups. Uh, maybe this guy or Randy. No, it needed to be kind of a mid-level guy. And Mustafa is kind of barely breaking into that, into the, the middle, but at the same time, I think he's the perfect leader. He's the perfect leader. We don't know a whole lot about him. He's, we know he can wrestle. You know, it's kind of like Cedric Alexander joining the Hurt Business. Um, that's a great thing because they kind of have this nation of domination, this evolution, this four horsemen, whatever you want to call it. Putting together a group of four, that's what's going to help Mustafa Ali here is that there are four guys and two girls currently that are the contracted wrestlers, in air quotes, with WWE, which means they'll be the main members you'll see the most often. You'll still see the crowd mentality, which means they're probably interchangeable people randomly around the back. They just need to come out and make a statement. That's fine. But uh, more power to Mustafa on that one. I, I, I look forward to what they're going to do with that. I think they're going to keep Retribution more on Raw. For one, they have the extra hour. And two, SmackDown is, is kind of a weird cloudy area right now where everybody's trying to kind of get into their seats for the for the the play so to say and um and, and until everybody finds their seats uh, smackdown i think is, is going to stay about where it's at i like the places it's going but in order to get the direction it needs you're gonna have to wait a little bit uh impact wrestling course on tuesdays on uh access television Access that will hopefully be showing New Japan very soon. I know they have been doing some events because you can go on New Japan's website and stream some of them. Yeah, uh, this this kind of semi-feud, not really a feud, but semi-feud between Tommy Dreamer and uh, Brian Myers. I... I, I like this because you're trying to build up the newly acquired Brian Myers. This is finally, he's finally getting a push where his gimmick is not that he loses all the time or he's lost 270 billion times in a row or things like that. Because I kind of like the cane and hat thing he was doing before, but it's totally cool that he's not doing it here. And then he's kind of showing he's got this mean streak and that him and Tommy Dreamer will probably have a blow off match that would involve weapons or extreme rules or something like that. Even if Tommy wins it, Brian can come out of this looking really good so that they can propel him and push him up the card like it seems like they're wanting to. Uh, Rohit Raju 
came out and uh, said he'll take on anybody to which to which uh, I believe Willie Mack came out and he said, oh, let me rephrase that. Anybody, it's an open challenge to anybody I have not faced before who has not answered the challenge before. So uh, Willie kind of, I think it's Willie, kind of, uh, okay, starts to go back down the stairs and uh, Jordan Grace comes out. And Jordan Grace proceeds to uh, take advantage of a situation and actually rolls up Rohit Raju. There's only one problem. And most people had a problem with this, but it's a it's something that I say all the time that a lot of organizations fail to do, fail to honor. But in this case, they did. Because... When Rohit Raju got rolled up, he still had the belt, which means that the referee never showed it to Jordan Grace, nor did he hoist it in the air and present it as though he's supposed to, which means it was an unofficial title match. Jordan Grace gets the win. She doesn't win the X-Vision title. Not to be outdone, when Raju goes through the curtain, Scott DeBoer's sitting there and he's like, uh, I got an idea. And it's basically a six-person match. There's pretty much everybody that's challenged for the X-Vision title in the last month, month and a half, including Jordan Grace. I don't know if they're going to give that title to Jordan Grace. I don't have a problem with that because she's credible. She can wrestle a lot of the guys. It should be interesting. But uh, that's going to happen at their next pay-per-view. Uh, and what was, it, it's probably a filler match, but I actually thought it was very, very good. Uh, Triple XL, the tag team, took on the Rascals. Of course, that's Dez and Wentz nowadays. And um, even though the Rascals won, this was a good match. Because you got the Rascals, who were two high-flyer X-Division type guys. And Triple XL, who were two guys that are both at least 280 a piece. But they're really good. For that size, these guys can move. They they can sell their opponents' moves. That's something that's almost outdated in a lot of places. Uh, but it's it's just one of those, maybe it was a filler just to take up time on the card and to showcase a couple people, but it was one of the better matches they had. Um, Crazy Steve and Swinger decided to team together. It's the most unorthodox goofy team um they took on the deaners i'm a big fan of the deaners i you know i don't mind swinger i've met him he's a super nice guy he was actually uh i saw him at a show about 30 minutes from where i sit right now and uh super super guy this is before he did uh the gimmick he's doing now where he's like a throwback 70s 80s wrestler crazy steve super super cool as well a big fan of his but the deaners man are fun it's uh cody deaner and Cousin Jake, and they are uh, kind of backwards, redneckish. Um, but I totally love the way they play that off. They, uh, they, they do a good job. They're one of the more established teams. I would like to see them win a little more than just these throwaway matches like this, too. You know, Triple uh, XL. Rascals, the Deaners, even Swinger and Crazy Steve. That's that's fine. 
they they have such a loaded tag division over there that it's hard to use them all. Like I said, a lot of times they are a lot of times they are uh, part of the filler, and also ways they'll have multi tag matches where a bunch of people can get get seen on TV and things like that, and that's fine. It just uh, we all know that at some point the Machine Guns and the Good Brothers, as I mentioned last week, are gonna have the head to head collision. And um, after they have one or two big matches between them, I would like to see some of these other teams um, get their shot. You know, any of them. And then lastly, uh, Rhino, who apparently invited Heath Slater, I think he just goes by Heath right now, Heath to leave WWE, a.k.a. he got let go, and then he decided to come over there. Uh, he sat down with Scott DeMore to talk contract. Scott DeMore said uh, he starts to hold, hand him a folder, and Heath has his own folder. It's like, uh, okay. But he, uh, his contract demands were, or uh, it, they played it off as though he was, as though Impact Wrestling is going to give him kind of a entry-level contract. And he played it off as though he thought he was main event. It's, you know, so it didn't go well. They didn't get a contract signed. He kind of blew up on Rhino. It's, uh, you know, something going forward. Something going forward. We all know that he's he's a contracted person over there. But they're going to play this off. As though he always has to fight and claw his way into something. And, uh, you know, once he does, he's going to have to try to overtake Brian Myers because Brian's going to continue to get pushed up. Let's go to AEW on Wednesday nights on TNT. Will Hobbs, who is an up-and-coming guy that you haven't heard of yet, but you you will in the next coming weeks. Uh, he took on Brian Cage for the FTW title. You know, the one Taz made famous. This is the first time in uh, probably 12 or 15 years that that title has been defended. And, of course, Brian Cage won. But Will Hobbs is a big dude, like country strong. Like probably hits a weight room, but he is country strong. Like he is he's, he's a big dude, and he gave Brian Cage all he could handle before Cage finally did the drill claw and took the win. Um, I, I look for Will Hobbs to maybe take on Brody Lee and some of the other big guys, uh, Lance Archer, some of those guys down the road, as uh, those are, are monster matchups. As we, as WWE, as I was saying with WWE, those are monster matchups that I definitely look forward to. Uh, you had Hybrid 2, which is Jack Evans and, and Helico. These are two guys that uh, you may not be real familiar with, but if you watched Lucha Underground back in the day, uh, you, you saw these guys. They are very good. They are very innovative in the way they do things. The fact that they pair them together is kind of interesting because Angelico is usually very straight-laced, kind of Matt Seidel-like to a point, where it's, it's very straight and narrow a lot of times. And uh, Jack Evans has been known to use anything he can come up with to, to win. So it'd be interesting to see if they push in Helico to the, to the dark side or Evans more to the good side, but hybrid two good team, but unfortunately it took on FTR. 
who is uh, basically the modern day equivalent of Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, as we say, even though Tully Blanchard is their manager. I don't know why the two of them can talk very well. They don't need extra help, but uh, it gives Tully Blanchard something to do. And as long as Tully is an AEW, then there is the remote chance that Tessa Blanchard will be there shortly. That's my guess. But uh, FTR, big on that one. Then we went to the dog collar match for the TNT Championship. Greg the Hammer Valentine, who famously about 20-something years ago probably took on Rowdy Roddy Popper in one of the most brutal, bloody versions of this match, uh, was in attendance. They had him up basically like in Section 117 all by himself. You almost thought maybe uh, he either maybe had a, uh, uh, a backfire issue or maybe the water in his hotel room didn't work or they didn't brandish him with enough soap or something. But eh, that's no knock on, on Valentine. It was just really crazy that he was the only one like in this entire section. But either way, Brody Lee and Cody tore it up, tore it up. They did a lot of really good spots with the the chain and the collars. You know, they would hang each other, pull each other over the ropes with the different ones and uh, use the chain to punch the other one. And it really, this was a very classic. They didn't do these super crazy spots. They didn't have a bunch of other people involved. Now, at times, there were a couple members of the Dark Order and uh, things like that. But Cody was able to uh, handle them enough to where, I mean, to start the match, he busted, uh, I think it was John Silver, wide open, to which um, one of the Dark Order had to kind of come get him and go, you need to come back here. And he got, I think he got stitched up. But in the end, Cody gets his retribution. He gets the title back. Um, I honestly think at this point that he not only dropped the title because Brody Lee was a competitor and somebody moving forward, they're trying to show you that he could be a title holder and uh, really do some some big things. I also think that Cody dropped the belt so that he could go do the TV show that he recorded that should be coming out soon, where he's basically a talent judge for a lot of sideshow acts and stuff like that. It looks really, really fun. Like uh, Snoop Dogg's on it, some other stuff like that. But uh, Cody gets the win, and Brody Lee, even on his Twitter, just put out much respect for Cody. Because that it was a true blue classic dog collar match. It's the one like you would see Cody's dad, who they celebrated the, uh, I don't know if it was his birthday or the passing of, a couple days ago. But uh, this is something you would have seen Dusty Rhodes in versus, uh, you know, one of the other big guys from back then. Uh, You had Jericho and Hager. That's the new team, you know, versus Chaos Project, which is Luther and uh, Serpentico. Um, I heard that that Jericho said, because this... This night celebrated Jericho's 30 30 years in the business. That is insane that he has been in this business and done all the things. He might have the most complete all-around Hall of Fame career there ever was. 
really might. Just all the stuff he's done everywhere he's been, he's just that guy. It's it's not just in one organization. But I had heard that Jericho, who has uh, known Luther for a long, long time in the business, uh, actually said that if I'm going to have a 30th anniversary match, Luther, who is in in AEW, he said I want it to be with Luther. So they uh, they had a tag match. Jericho and Hager end up winning, but uh, Luther out there doing some uh, some killer stuff off the top that I have not seen him do in a long, long time. I think he brought out all the stops just for this. But also, congratulations, Chris Jericho, 30 years. How many people can say 30 years in their profession? Nowadays, not many. Not many at all. But uh, it also makes me feel a little old because I've followed Jericho's career. Since I was a little kid, I've seen his entire career. Yeah, that means I am over 30, which I am. And I will tell you what I just took a drink of, but they don't sponsor the show. Don't worry, Mom. was an alcoholic. But, uh, yeah, so that moved us to NXT. And I know I kind of did them out of order because I usually watch NXT first and then AEW. Um, a little different this week. Uh, yeah, Tommaso Ciampa versus Kushida. This one puzzled me because these are two guys you need to build up. You're, you're really trying to build Kushida for something that I don't know what. And you're trying, and, and Ciampa is a heavyweight contender who kind of had a reset. And you're looking forward to uh, maybe pushing him up in the near future. Or is a, a, a big, he's still a cornerstone of NXT right now. I would say him, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, and probably at this point, Finn Balor. The, the four that were in. The uh, the championship or three of the four that were in the championship scramble plus the champion. So, uh, but uh, Champa ended up winning because the Velveteen Dream, who was dressed, can't remember if he was dressed as Dusty Rhodes or some, he was dressed as somebody from the past, uh, tried to jump off and hit Kushida and hit Tommaso instead. So Tommaso actually gets the DQ win. Kushida chased Dream off. I'd also heard some rumors that Dream is uh, kind of in the doghouse at WWE because of some um, out-of-the-ring things that have happened. I can't confirm nor deny any of them. I'm just throwing those out there. If you want to get on the old internet, the interwebs, and look into that, kind of judge for yourself, that's up to you. But just know that usually when you're in the WWE doghouse, uh, you you lose your push, you lose some steam. They uh, they take that rocket off your back, and uh, we'll see what happens here because Kashida and Dream could be good, but if they're trying to punish Dream, then Kashida's going to run over, and uh, Kashida's really good by himself. He doesn't need the help, but we'll see if uh, we'll see if if uh, Dream. Velveteen Dream turns into the uh, the jobber here. You had Austin Theory, who took on some random guy, and then Dexter Loomis came out. We had a fantastic match between them. 
uh, Austin Theory from locally here in Atlanta. And uh, Dexter Loomis, oddly enough, trained right here in Atlanta, right off, uh, if you want to know where, Fulton Industrial. Right off Fulton Industrial. Why don't you look up which particular place would be right there? Uh, there's been some good talent come out of there, actually. Uh, uh, Ring of Honor's John Gresham um, and uh, some, uh, some other people. Just real good people have come through there, and there's probably some more that are about to come through there. Um, where was I at? Uh, like I said, Loomis ended up winning that. Um, I got I got to talk about the Ridge Holland situation. Ridge Holland, the former I think rugby player from I'm not sure if he's English, Irish, Scottish. She's she's from Europe somewhere. Um, big, tough kid, big bruiser guy. He's been doing fantastic in the ring. They strapped the rocket to his back. Looked like he was, uh, moving on to some big things. And then, uh, he went to catch, um, I think he had beat up Oni Lorcan. He was trying to catch Danny Birch. Could have that backwards. One or the other. He was trying to catch one of them who jumped over the ring onto him on the floor, and it looked like either his knee exploded, he potentially did something to his leg, or he snapped a, a ligament because his left leg seemed to get pinned underneath them both, and he screamed pretty loud to where they immediately went to a commercial break. When they came back, we saw the Garganos at home with their brand-new TV. That's a whole different thing. And uh, then when they came back, he was strapped to a stretcher. He gave the thumbs up sign like uh, he's okay. And uh, his left leg had a giant brace on it. So uh, kind of waiting to hear what's going to happen with him because uh, I, that kid was growing on me. And like I said, they, they looked like they were ready to, to really – push him pretty hard on some things, maybe to a North American title run, something like that. But um, obviously once we, once we figure out what's going on with his knee or leg, then we can uh, see what they do going forward because uh, right now he's, he's not going to be doing a whole lot. And then it was nice to see the return of Ember Moon. Uh, her and Rhea Ripley took on Dakota Kai and, and Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, of course, Ember Moon ended up with the victory, I think, over Dakota Kai. But uh, it was good to see her kind of shake some of the ring rust off. There is some ring rust. She's finally back from her knee injury. Um, I look for her to um, maybe go on a, a small title run at NXT and then get the bump back back up to uh, Raw or SmackDown where she was. She's a big-time talent. Um, and even as crowded as it is down there, she should wade her way through the waters pretty well and uh, get bumped back up. Uh, if you haven't seen Ember Moon Russell, I implore you to go look at the matches she's had uh, a couple years ago. And uh, she's she's quite good. Of course, we move to SmackDown. We had Stephanie come out and say, hey, we're going to start the draft. To which she said, Drew McIntyre staying on Raw. Roman Reigns staying on SmackDown. Okay, that's where they need to be because they're the champions at the moment. You know, I still make the case that uh, Drew should be dropping his soon, but this shakeup is going to maybe give fresh opponents. So uh, we'll see what happens there. 
I think Roman should keep it for a while. Tessa said Asuka is going to stay on Raw. That helps my theory I just talked about earlier. Uh, Rollins is going to SmackDown, even though tonight on Raw he was going to do his, his uh, kind of farewell thank you speech, which will probably involve the Mysterios, and it, he'll carry it to SmackDown. And then the Hurt Business are going to stay on Raw. Well, that's because they're going to go against Retribution, which tells you Retribution's probably going to be on Raw. I don't, I don't mind this particular feud here. Because, like I said, now there are four male members of Retribution that are part of the contractor group, besides the two females. So there's four of them. There's four Hurt Business. We're probably headed towards a Survivor Series-style match or a War Games or something, you know, something along those lines. Uh, let's see. After that, we actually got down to a match. We had Big E versus Sheamus. Big E is going to play a big part in something later. Uh, Big E actually gets the nod over Sheamus, which I like. It's going to help my theory and also what I'm hearing. I heard, but what I'm hearing happened after I developed my theory, and I will go to the grave saying that because I kind of mentioned it a little bit last week. But he beats Sheamus. I think these are also two guys that if you push them enough, I could see them making super singles runs up to take on Roman. Either one of them are credible. Uh, right after this match, Stephanie comes back out. She says Raw takes AJ Styles. He needs to get off SmackDown. Uh, Naomi. Okay. And uh, Nia Shayna staying there, which, like I said, spoiler alert from earlier. Okay, I like that because they need to stay over there for that particular reason. I don't, I don't need them to take on Bailey yet, who has actually not been drafted. But uh, Naomi will be interesting because, of course, she's married to Jimmy Uso, who has not been drafted yet. He is still injured. It may be why he hasn't been drafted. He's shown back up on SmackDown to try to help his brother, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if they split the couple or if they split Jimmy and Jay. And spent and put Jimmy with uh, with his bride there on Monday Night Raw. Uh, SmackDown in the same draft took Sasha Banks as that and uh, Bianca Belair. That's kind of interesting because they were kind of partnering her up with. The tag team, I can't think of the name of the two the Raw Tag Team Champions. But, um, you know, moving her on her own. She uh, may be moving Naomi out of the way because they are similar in movesets and, and actions. Maybe that is going to help her. Uh, Lars Sullivan came back. He is a uh, kind of like a weird Snitsky, if everybody remembers Snitsky. If you don't, once again, go look him up. You should just have a piece of paper when you listen to me so that you can write all these things down and go look them up somewhere uh, down the road. But uh, he returned, ran over The Miz. He ran over Morrison. He ran over, gosh, some other people too. But um, just coming back and being a, a monster, he's another one that they could eventually push. He's one that should be picking the brain of Braun Strowman as much as he can. But... Uh, We'll see what they end up doing with him. Of course, since Stephanie comes back out, says Raw is going to take Ricochet. Okay. 
Mandy Rose, okay, and Ms. Morrison, who get a little bit of a shakeup to get back on the Monday night big show where they have uh, where they they have uh, a little more room for them. And SmackDown takes Jay Uso, which I told you about a second ago, and the Mysterios, which I mentioned earlier. Rollins and the Mysterios are all on SmackDown. We have not heard anything from uh, about Murphy yet. I'm sure it was on tonight's. Uh, then we have Sasha versus Bailey. Bailey gets uh, uh, gives Sasha the DQ win because, as I say, Bad Bailey is so good. She uh, basically uses a chair to uh, take a little pot shot, and when she does, the referee happened to see it, and she just kind of shrugged her shoulders like, that's fine, and walked off. Bad Bailey is one of the best heels on television, and I hope they keep it up for a while because I I really think she can do some masterful things in this. Then, of course, we had Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura who took on Xavier Woods, the returning Xavier Woods, and returning Kofi Kingston, both back from, from uh, injuries. For the tag team belts, and for the seventh time, the New Day are the tag team champions. To which Stephanie comes out and goes, well, it's and, and Big E come out to celebrate with them. And they were doing all their uh, jumping around and dancing and stuff. And Steph comes out and says, well, it's it's funny that you guys are out there. Because the next part's of the draft. She said, Kofi and Xavier are a part of Raw. She said, Dana Brooke is a part of Raw. She said, Angel Garza is a part of Raw. That, that gets good. And she said, SmackDown is getting Otis, who stays there, and Big E. Yep, they just split the New Day. But they split it in the way that I think makes the most sense. This is what I talked about last week. The, the thought that I had, which is also one of the things I read and heard myself, Kofi and Xavier can continue to do the New Day things. And hey, Kofi's got a great singles run. He, he won the belt. Uh, Xavier could could do some solo things too if something happens to Kofi. But Big E is like the lost run. We thought years ago he was going to get a solo run. And it's like he wasn't quite ready. But now he can he can talk on his own. He can do all these other things. And we I mean he just beat Sheamus, which to me Puts the rocket on his back, as as the business says, as I've been saying all night. I think they want to see what Big E can do with a title. I mean, a big solo run. Maybe he wins an Intercontinental or a U.S. belt. Maybe he wins the Royal Rumble. It just depends on how much the crowd gets behind him, I think. Now, we know they've always liked the New Day, but they, they want to get him more away from the, the silly, fun stuff. I mean, he's not going to be, he don't have to be super serious. He can still have his personality come out because we got to see the other parts of his personality. He was a henchman for a while and then he built up and then he didn't get his run. And then they put him in this group and we saw this character develop. We saw his personality come out to where you can see how well-rounded he is. So I think, or I believe that that's what they're trying to do here. 
is they're going to let him have his solo run. That's why they moved the other two away from him. Let's see what happens. And then we had uh, The Fiend versus Kevin Owens, which uh, was a good match. It should be a pay-per-view match. We will uh, see what happens with that. Because I, I think it is definitely something... Kevin Owens is, is definitely a great person to play off of Bray Wyatt. You've got Alexa Bliss, who was in the middle of all this. This could be something that I mean, goes into Survivor Series, that goes into maybe, eh, it won't go to Royal Rumble. You don't want it to go that far. But this could definitely be something they could build on going forward and showcase both of these guys because both of them are also in the same boat where you don't necessarily have to win for people to, to get behind them because people love The Fiend. People love Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. People love Alexa Bliss. There are people who don't need titles, don't have to win all the time, and you've got them in a great program that can be just – Fantastic the way they could pull this off. Now, that's pretty much the pro wrestling. I think we just took like 40-something minutes on that. Um, you know, because the theme for tonight is, uh, you know, recently I, I had... I had some, uh, and when I say personal stuff, it's not like uh, crazy bad stuff or crazy weird stuff. No, not even crazy stuff. But in, in life, there's all these these moments in life where uh, whether you're whether you're prepared for things or not. And uh, I'm, I was semi-prepared for this one. Uh, kind of waiting on the payoff. Like, uh, start with. It kind of built up, and then, uh, uh, and then the uh, the hype kind of kind of pushed itself back down a little bit, and then I thought we were to the point of the payoff of uh, of a, of this chapter, to which uh, it was like it was. Uh, it's like life said, not right now, but later, and it's just like opportunities. Maybe you go for a job opportunity, and uh, and it's maybe it's something you want to break into. Maybe you want to work for a particular company. Let's say you're into computer and software, and you want to work for Microsoft, or you want to work for Google. So you put in, and you put in, you put in. Hey, you get get a couple interviews, and things look good, and then you know maybe a pandemic happens, and they do a hiring freeze, or maybe. Uh, maybe you were saving up to get a new truck. Maybe, you know, these things where you get to that level where you're like, man, I think I'm going to be able to do this so that these things can happen. Okay. And then you get to that point and you think you're ready and then it doesn't happen. Maybe something else happens or maybe you just go, no, it's not the right time. And that's, that's kind of a lot of the situations I just said in wrestling, and there's a lot of those in the UFC and Bellator. 
a lot of those where we think we're ready for the payoff, but either A, we're not ready for the payoff, or B, the payoff is not ready for us. You know, I try to relate these things to things that happen to me because they're probably things that happen to you guys, too. You know, you guys get what I'm saying here. You know, may, like I said, may, it's uh, when you're a kid. Maybe you think you're ready for the high dive and you get up there and realize you are not. The high dive is ready for you. You're not ready for the high dive. So you either freeze, you fall off into the water, you get pushed off the water, or you find a way to get down and maybe go another time. Let's kind of, you know, like I said, that's that's a, some of the things here. We're kind of waiting on these payoffs. We're waiting to see if now is the magic moment or if it's later on. Uh, when we look at UFC Fight Night from over the weekend, the let me get through some of the big some of the uh, the, the bigger fights, the ones that I think were most important. They were all important. They're important to everybody. Just like everybody is important to somebody. You mean something to someone. It's something that I've always said. Never feel like you're alone in this world because there's always somebody that you mean something to. There's some role that you need to play, whether you're the main character, whether you're a sub-character, whether you're just an extra in their movie scene. There's all kinds of roles that we need to play and once we play all our roles, then that's, you know, then we've done what we needed to do. Well, as far as the big fights, the ones that I think are the more important going forward. Now, if you want to go back and watch any of these, I implore you to. This was uh, what the UFC did and what Bellator did this weekend was deliver when you didn't think some people didn't think I did. Some people didn't think that this was the high caliber cards because maybe you didn't know all the people involved. Hey, I'll admit I've only recently since March, you guys know that gotten super back into MMA. So I'm still learning some of the characters involved, whether they've been here for years or whether they're brand new because Dana is hiring people left and right. As people cycle in and out, those kind of things happen. Bellator's doing the same thing. But uh, you got Tracy Cortez, who took on Stephanie Egger. This one's a unanimous decision where Tracy got the victory there. That's super important moving forward in the uh, women's bantamweight. That that division right there is is blowing up, in my opinion. It's 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 going to be to where everybody from the top ten to the champ could be champ. Uh, let's see, the uh, Tom Breeze got the uh, got the knockout because of a punch in the middleweight division over KB Bouillard. Tom Breeze, man, can't sleep on the breezer. Can't sleep on the breezer. As far as people named Breeze, he was doing much better than the guy currently on my television. Spoiler alert, if you didn't watch Monday Night Football. Uh, let's see. You know, you, I I can't no, I can't talk about the UFC fight night without mentioning the word or the name Joaquin Buckley, who took on Impa Kasagane. Uh, poor Impa. 
A lot of people are calling this knockout of of uh, best knockout in the history of the UFC. There's been so many. This this was a fantastic one. Um, at one point, I believe he uh, Impa had Joaquin's foot, and Joaquin like spun and pivoted and used his other foot to do this flying like heel kick, flying side kick or something, and caught Impa right in the top of the forehead. And he went down like a sack of bricks. I'm sure you've seen the the replay by now. It was a thing of beauty. I feel bad for Impa. He's going to be on a lot of highlight reels from here till the end of the world. But, wow. Just wow. Uh, let's see. Um, Edson Barbosa took on uh, Maquan Armakani. Amir Khani. Amir Khani. Edson. I'm working on these names. Amir Khani. Unanimous decision in the featherweight division there for Edson Barbosa. You know, he's had some pretty interesting uh, knockouts in his career. And he's another guy in that featherweight division that is uh, looking to get back in the title picture. Try to pick up that victory there. And, of course, in the main event, in the bantamweight division, Marlon Moraes took on Corey Sanhagen. A lot of people said Corey Sanhagen had a uh, so-so fight, his last fight. Uh, Then he ends up getting this bigger fight here. And what does he do? How about the KO heel kick? The knockout heel kick in around number two, just a minute three in. Corey Sanhagen lets everybody know he's still here. He's still here. And a super big win for him. Looking forward to seeing what they do with Corey Sanhagen here. Uh, he, he should move back into some conversations, even though I, I would argue he was in them. He should move further up. Uh, the next fight night coming up, of course, or the next UFC event is fight night this Saturday. The big fights that I, uh, you should watch all of them anyway. I'm going to. But uh, if, if you're just going to watch a handful of them, of course, the main event is Brian Ortega versus the Korean Zombie in the featherweight division. There's that featherweight division again, man. You had... Uh, uh, Catlin Chugagin taking on Jessica Andrade in the flyweight division for the women. Uh, Claudio Silva is going to take on James Krause in the welterweight. Um, you got the Canadian Jillian Robertson taking on uh, Pollyanna Botello from Brazil in the flyweight for the women. That is, that's, that. I'm going to say it right now. That's going to be one of the two fights considered for fight of the night. I just have a feeling they're going to go the distance, and it's just going to be a slobber knocker. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. Of course, that is – I know ESPN Plus is going to carry it, but I actually think ESPN is going to show some of it too. Uh, Check your local listings on that. And if you don't have ESPN Plus or Fight Pass or any of those, why not? It's a couple bucks a month, and you get – Access to all this great content. If you just get it for the fighting, ESPN Plus, it's a good thing. If you just get 
if you just get a uh, fight pass just for the UFC stuff, the UFC events, it's worth it. But uh, that brings me to Bellator. Brings me to Bellator. I'm going to start at the bottom of the card and work my way up. Uh, the the ones that, that really impressed me had Mads Burnell taking on Darko Benevic. Uh, Mads Burnell had the TKO because of strikes in round number one, three minutes and 13 seconds in. You may say, wow, that's only halfway through the, that's halfway through the first round. That's crazy. Well, Alan Omer did one even better against Ryan Scope. And Ryan Scope is no no slouch. But Alan Omer had the TKO because of strikes round one, a minute 46 in. He just went over the top, and just Ryan had no answer for the barrage early. Uh, Oliver Encamp with the Japanese necktie. If you haven't seen that, go back and see that over Emmanuel Dawa. Dawa, I believe, the native Frenchman. Uh, Bellator. Not only held an event in Paris, but not even only in France. They did in Paris, France, which is only is mainly significant because France is one of the more recent countries to sanction MMA. So Bellator did something that the UFC hasn't done. UFC did Fight Island. They're still doing Fight Island coming up this uh, the next couple events, but. Bellator held an event, a pro MMA event, or an MMA event in general, in France. The first to do so, they had a couple French people, French fighters on their card. I believe both of them lost. They did. Yes. Emmanuel uh, Dawa, and I will get to the other one in, uh, in a short uh, minute here. But they had limited crowd around, and the crowd was great. To be, you know, uh, 20% capacity or something that was at. Uh, this this crowd was alive. This crowd was very much alive. But uh, fantastic on Bellator of not only having a great event, but having a great event in France, showing the people of France and the government of France that uh, MMA is is something you should regularly have and feature, and that if you're going to, why not use Bellator? Not saying UFC won't eventually get there, but uh, it, it's a territorial thing to a point. Where Bellator goes, we're in its areas, kind of stay in your lane thing. They're both on the highway. They're both in, in, in going the same direction. But Bellator's like, we like this side. We like this lane. UFC's like, that's cool. We like this lane. We can both be on the same highway, both do good things. And there's no reason for us to ever want to bump into each other currently. They might down the road. There's no reason to right now. Uh, last two fights I want to talk about. You had MVP Michael Venom Page took on Ross Houston. MVP wins the unanimous decision after three rounds. This should have been a five-round fight. Um, I don't know that it would have changed the income, the the outcome, income, the outcome much. But um, to take Michael Venom Page the distance, it's saying something. Ross Houston was the matchup that was giving him fits. Ross was doing a lot of things he wanted to do, but Michael Venom Page just, he, he probably 60, 65% controlled this fight. And uh, it, it was a good fight. And even at the end, MVP, they, they were talking back and forth to each other. They were high fiving, they were handshaking, they were hugging. Uh, so, you know, trying to socially distance as much as possible. But at the same time, uh, 
I could see MVP and, and Ross Houston doing this again somewhere down the road because MVP very much respected him from the beginning. You know how MVP kind of does his side, his side glance, his side stance with his hands. And he kind of does his shimmies and stuff like that. Well, after the first round, uh, Houston was giving him just enough, or not enough. Houston was giving him all he could handle to where he started being serious round two and three, and he stopped kind of, uh, kind of clowning around for back of a, uh, for lack of a better term. And uh, that's that's when everybody realized that Ross Houston is, is going to be a, a good one going forward. I believe this was his first loss, but it this this kid could could do some things too. And uh, he, he'll move on and probably continue to dominate. And somewhere down the road, these two will cross again. And hopefully, it is where we can all watch it on television because uh, Bellator now on the CBS Sports Network, which um, they were on Paramount. Paramount did some great things. It's fun that they were able to. I mean, it's great that they were able to move to CBS Sports Network where more eyeballs can get on them. And, uh, you know, I don't think they hold anything against Paramount. It's just you're on a bigger network. You know, the fact that UFC is featured on ESPN now, that's a big thing. And then lastly, Timothy Johnson took on Czech Congo. This was unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. for Timothy Johnson, who beats Czech Congo. Chuck Cargo still got some good fights in him. He could still make a big run, maybe. But Timothy Johnson with a big win here. Chuck Congo from France. Once again, like I said, the French fighters went 0-2, but what a great showcase that Bellator could not only hold that event, but that they could feature two French fighters who are very good. Just come out on the, the uh, not on the winning end on this night. Now, lastly, before I get out of here, um, oh, some things I forgot. I think Ring of Honor is holding a, a watch party that was tonight so that you could watch round two, Jay Lethal versus David Finley and Jonathan Gresham versus Matt Seidel in the pure tournament. And for people who, you know, Paige Van Zant signed with Bare Knuckle fighting, and a lot of people said... Um, Oh, bare knuckle that that uh, little sideshow. Um, I think you're going to take them a little more serious when I tell you who just signed on to do some fights out that way. Josh Barnett signed with bare knuckle, so they got PBZ, they got Josh Barnett among all their other stars. This is going to be fun. I can't wait to see who either one of them fight. It is something I will absolutely have to tune into, and you should. Too. We'll have to figure out where you can watch Bare Knuckle Fighting. I'm going to reach out to Bare Knuckle Fighting. Maybe they will give us all the options on that. And then, of course, upcoming Bellator on the 15th, which is this Thursday. It is Bellator 249. Here are the big fights. It is in Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. You're going to have Saeed Awad take on Mandel Nalo in the lightweight division. We're going to have Ricky Bandejas against Leandro Higo in the bantamweight. You're going to have Patrick Pitbull versus Jaleel Willis in the lightweight division and in the main event. Chris Cyborg, a great ambassador for not just women's fighting, but for fighting in general. 
Chris Cyborg, first title defense, I'm pretty sure, of the featherweight title, is going to take on Arlene Blenko. If you don't know who Arlene is, look her up. This is going to be a great fight. I look forward to seeing it. You should look forward to seeing it as well. But that is going to do it for us. It's a little over an hour. We will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Strong Style. Not now. Later. I'm Jeremy the Impact Dork. We will see you guys next week. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at the Impact 99 at Team Impact Media if you want to follow all of our uh, shows and things like that. Uh, on Facebook, we are Impact Media. We are easy to find. And uh, the Impact 99 if you want to find me or the show on Instagram. We will once again see you guys next week. Juicy, juicy.